We have to record new intros for the Gunna Geek Network. That's in all caps. That's in all caps. That's we, something we we have to do it. I like to give you show notes in all caps. What can I say? It I'm, makes it. It makes me. Feel, it makes me feel like it's like the most important thing. Like I feel like we need to do it now. No, like we right just now. we just started the broadcast, John. This is not the time for that. Yeah, it's in all caps. I mean, that's what you do on the internet when you're trying to yell at people and get their attention. Welcome to Game Life Balance U.S., the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. We're a lifestyle podcast hosted by adult gamers trying to juggle our hobbies with the increasing demands of the real world. Join us each week to catch up on what we've been up to lately, whether it's saving the world from space aliens or learning how to change a diaper. Check out our website for links to connect with us on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and more at GameLifeBalance.us. I'm Stargate Pioneer from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Here we go! Welcome, listener. I'm Cody Goff. This is Jonathan Martin. This is Game Life Balance U.S. And I, he's talking about the the what is it, the show rundown. We've, I guess we've become more organized in our we, old age. We've become more organized in our ancient grains and age. And I put yes, we have to record new promos for the Gun and Geek Network, which is a network that we are syndicated on, which we are syndicated on on. In which on we are in on it <clears throat> is that, but I no we're not gonna do. You want to do it live? Do you want to read no, it live? The I don't only even care. Reason, look, if you think it's that important, reason, just do it. Th- you thought it was that important because you put it in in screamy text. I, it's not all caps. It's screamy text. It's an all. It's oh, all caps. okay. And and there's three star. Like not only is it in all caps, but it is flanked by three asterisks on either at ask. It's Axeric. It's, uh-huh. it's flanked by stars on both sides of of the line. So it looks to me like it should be either something that we did before we even started, something we probably should have done yesterday, actually, is what it looks like to me. Just, all right. I d- don't. You're going to erase it, aren't you? You're going to erase I, it live here on here on TV. You're going to erase it live. No, I'm not going to erase it. No. We will record new intros for the Gunning Geek Network after our podcast, unless you'd like to do it now, John. You you seem to feel very compelled at this point. Uh, no, because apparently it's, not, apparently it's not nearly as important as you made it out to be with your stars and your caps. I'm Cody from Game Life Balance US, a proud member of the Gunning Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. No, no, you didn't read it. You didn't read it right. It says I'm Cody John, is what it says. It's what it says in your. It says it right there. I'm Cody slash John from Game Life Balance US, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts at. You ready for this? GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready because geekiness began about three minutes ago. You're not going to use that. You're not even going to come close to using that. Yeah, I'm going to use it. I'm going to send that to Steven, the guy that runs the Gun and Geek Network, and he's he's probably going to hate me more <laughs> if if anyone can hate me more. So, everyone in the network is going to hear it, and they will hate us 
I have an excuse. I'm I'm not a professional. You are a professional at this. This is your job. This I was going to be professional. It's your I had a whole livelihood. Intro opened, and I was going to say, "Hey, listener, on this episode, we're going to talk some current news, some life stuff, and then John's going to go full gamer and talk about a video game." But instead, you immediately just started reading the show rundown notes. It, it's like if you read one of the stage directions at the top. Like if I had said, "Hey, John." How are you doing today? And you had said, says with enthusiasm, I'm good, Cody. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's on there. It's on the page. You have it's, to read well, it. Well, that's not on the page. None of that is written. So unless you're seeing things. No, no. It was figurative. Like, it, it's not literally. Well, it's literally on the page in the figurative example that you were using. So it's literally figuratively on the page. The literal but, but you have part to, of what you just but said. But you, re- you have to read it, though, because it's there on the page. Well, figuratively, it's on the page. That actually, Liter- literally, figuratively, it's on the page. That actually made sense until you kept droning on endlessly. You know, the rundown that you just gave of this show makes it sound like it's going to be a great show. That's, that's, also, that's also what people that are good at... Um, at running a show do they talk about how great their show is going to be right that's something they do it was going to be a great show until you started talking and then it immediately declined it's going to be a great show folks it's going to be a great show i'm just going to sit here and tweet while you're talking until you're done talking about how great talking about the show is going to be but the first segment is you the first segment's all about you the first two segments are actually both about me you're you're like not only are you famous to me, but you're, like, famous to the internet now. Well, that's because there's a Pokemon Go panel being held at GDC 2016. I don't think that's why you're famous. Now playing at PlayStation HQ, Risk Legacy. Why are they playing Risk at PlayStation Head? Is GDC going on right now? What are you, I have no idea what you're even talking about. Game Developers Conference. You should, you should tweet about GDC. I don't think it's going on right now. I have no idea what's going on right now. No, Clearly, no, I really, based on I everything really you've don't said, know what's going you on. You have right absolutely now. no idea what's going on right now. All right, well, listener, thank you for enduring that long meandering intro to this podcast episode. We I do it was have focused. things. What? I thought it was focused. What was it on? What was it focused specifically? Introing the show. We focused on introing the show. What if we just kept introing the show ad nauseum? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, the intro has to stop so you can get into the meat of the show. That's how shows work. I'm ready for the meat of the show. You're you're the one who's the professional. You should know this. What? I... All right, we're going to start with current news. Why don't you intro it? So, I'll say literally the exact thing I said before. So, Cody, you were always famous to me, but now you're actually famous... On the internet. Uh, Yeah, this is a weird thing that happened. So, I occasionally write. I'm a... I... You do a lot of things. Like, you're like a... a, Yeah, you do. You're like a jack of... of, You're you're jack. Right, I do. I definitely do that. Well, listen, I'm an occasional writer. If you go to CodyGoff.com, my name is... My last name is spelled G-O-U-G-H. If you go to CodyGoff.com, I do this creative writing stuff... Um, there's a project that I started a while ago where I would I scanned all of the pages of my high school creative writing class notebook, and I'd like upload a poem and then do color commentary on my crazy poem that I wrote when I was 18 because it was funny. 
And I do these stupid little just things. And they're, they're like 400, 500 word posts, and they're short, and it's whatever, and um, they're mildly humorous, and, and that's fine. And, and then my website, I can also do current creative writing. I can come up with new stuff if I want to. So, like, for an example, uh, in November – no, right after Jen kind of wrote a really long story about this game of Werewolf that I played with some friends. And – it was long, it was two parts, and it got 100 or 150 views. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot of people. That's cool. 100 views, all right. And then a month ago or earlier this month, in January, I guess, I wrote a short little post doing some stupid commentary on some, thing that I, some other poem I wrote. And I got 30 or 40 views, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then I was on Reddit, and I was on the politics subreddit, and I was reading the comments on an article about the current Democratic campaign, and somebody wrote something. Um, for which you are heavily invested. For which I am heavily invested. And some, I, read, I read a comment from this guy that, that basically said, like, all Bernie Sanders supporters are stupid. If you vote for Bernie Sanders, oh, they're all going to be really disappointed when you can't get anything done. Uh, none of this, blah, blah, blah. And I was so annoyed with it because I had seen this comment a million times before all these people apparently everyone in the country that doesn't like Bernie Sanders thinks that Bernie Sanders supporters expect him to pass every piece of legislation in his entire platform within like six months and the entire country will become totally different so I wrote a blog post about it because I've got Are you a saying he's not going to do that if he's elected because why on earth would I vote for him then? Yeah, good question. So I I got mad and I wrote an angry comment, but then I'm just like, you know, I have a blog and I was on my lunch. I was about to eat lunch at work and I was just like, what the hell? I'm going to write a little thing about it. I had never gotten political on my website ever. Wait, you did this on your lunch break? Yeah, I did it on my lunch. I wrote you did it this in, on your lunch break? I wrote this it wasn't in like, like 45 minutes. Okay. Wait, you get a 45 minute lunch break? Well, I don't get a lunch break. It's a salary job, so you kind of go eat lunch whenever you want and then come back whenever you want. I have a salary job and I get a 30-minute lunch. But you have you have live customers. Most office environments don't have a rigid work break schedule. Yeah, I've heard about that. I've heard that that actually can be kind of nice. It can be. I don't know. It's If I get hungry at 11, I can go at 11. I don't know. It's If I, if, if I want to meet a friend out of town for lunch, I can do an hour and a half lunch if I need to meet him somewhere. I don't know. It's got it seems pretty luxurious. It's, but anyway, very, it's, it's very luxurious. So I wrote it over lunch and I posted it, and within 24 hours, it had 350,000 views. And my all-time website views for the last six years combined were around 10,000. And so, we're talking about views on your website. We're so not even talking about. Yeah. We're not even talking about elsewhere. We're talking so, about views on your personal website. Yeah, so, and whenever someone tweeted a link to share it, there's all these tweets, and I wake up in the morning the next day, 18 hours after posting, and there's over 10,000 shares on Facebook, and I'm like, okay, this is happening. And I had a message in my inbox from an editor at the Huffington Post who said, hey, would you like to publish this on the Huffington Post? So I go, sure. So they set me up with a blogger account, and then the uh, next— HuffPo, 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 for short. HuffPo, for short. HuffPo. For those in the know, you're, you're in the know now. You can call it HuffPo. Yes. And I, the next morning, I, I published it after finding an image for it. And they don't share stats with me, like hits and views. But the last time I checked, 
as of today, it had 117,000 likes. So that means that statistically more people than that saw it. So between my website and this, it's got close to a million hits, if not more. And um, that's weird. And I'm getting messages from people and people are tagging me on Facebook saying, hey, my friend just shared this on Facebook and I realized it's from this kid I know, Cody Goff. And they'd like tag me and it'd be somebody I went to college with. Or I got a comment on my WordPress website from Nate Shaver, who's a kid that I ran cross country with in high school. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, Cody, I don't know if you remember me, but my friend in Arizona who's an artist just shared your link and I came to check it out. Like, great stuff or whatever. So, I mean, I haven't talked to this guy in 12 years. And um, so it's been weird. And I, my apparently my like persona is like part of my identity is defined as being a political person now. Just very strange. Maybe, maybe you never defined yourself that way. But after, but talking to you over the past couple of months, I would probably classify you as that. So I mean, that's not surprising to me that that's kind of the the road that you have taken uh, and and the label that you have been given from other people. You've known me for an extremely long time and like way longer than you would like. And- yeah. And Casey said, my girlfriend said she was not surprised because I I told her, I'm like, I don't know how I became a political writer, quote unquote. I mean, I am and I'm not. And she said, based on knowing you for the last year and everything you stand for and your ideals and your principles, I'm not surprised. So I don't know. I mean, like, if you had asked me when I was seven, if Cody was going to be a political writer when he was older, I would have been like, where are my Power Rangers action figures? Because I didn't know what politics were. But if you asked me like six months ago, I cha- I've changed since I was seven. I've changed. How much? And, and you've changed. You've changed since you were seven. And so uh, from, from that time, from when you were seven to now, you have become slightly more political. I mean, that's just basically what it boils down to. Uh, so you care. You, you, you give a shit, which is, you know, like that's an admirable quality to have. That's people need to do that, Right. Yeah, I would agree. Um, hold on, I'm just going to write down somewhere that uh, you swore you're dropping swears on my podcast. You know, that was that was for effect. Like that was legitimately for effect. Like you okay. like like you care. You've you've made it's, that jump. Yeah. So anyway, the name of the article is I support Bernie Sanders and I'm not stupid or unrealistic. Yeah, but two of those things are false, though. I'm going to let you, as the listener, figure out which ones are, in fact, false. And then four days later, I published another article called The Worst Reason to Not Vote for Bernie Sanders. Which is like a really weird double negative and kind of a hard title to read. I know. The worst reason to not... Not not vote for Bernie Sanders is what it should have been. Yeah, it's true. Casey and I discussed it extensively, and it's the it's it's the only one we came up with that I thought people might click on, and it it too has seen a a decent amount of pickup. Not near, I mean, maybe a couple thousand views on my website, nothing near, but it's picked up a bit on HuffPo, and uh, HuffPo is a pretty good place to go if you're a Bernie supporter to write if you're a Bernie supporter because any pro Bernie post is getting pretty good traction. Um, but that the one I published got is special. Like it was ridiculous. It's I compared it to other Bernie posts, and they'd have a few hundred likes or a couple thousand, not a hundred whatever. And I'm it's still basically turned into the subreddit Sanders for president. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, Huffing, Huffington Post. Yeah, it's basically it's basically now an extension of Sanders for president. I actually as a subreddit. A, I actually see a fair amount of pro Hillary posts on the Huffington Post. Uh, it's it's HuffPo. Thank you, HuffPo. They're they're not being uh, read or shared or liked, but they're they're publishing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because they're fair and balanced. Is that what like HuffPo a, is? That's well, that's what uh, that's what major news networks are. They're fair and balanced. Yeah, all of them are that objectively. Right. right. I mean, well, one of the, that's even the tagline for one of them, so you know it's got to be true. That's well, the ideals yeah. by which they stand. That's true. Um, so, so yeah. So, uh, anyway, listener, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see my Bernie 2016 hoodie I'm wearing. I feel the burn pretty hardcore. I've donated to his campaign several times. I completely, totally resonates with me. The Iowa caucus... Broadcast. You love the caucus. Oh my god! You it was love the caucus. I w- I was, you like it almost as much as you love the cock. We've talked about this. I love, you love the, cock. the caucus. You love the caucus. I went to Seven Eleven with my girlfriend right when they started and got a bottle of wine. And I told her I'm going to drink myself into a stupor because I cannot handle the anxiety right now. It didn't help, but it still was pretty. Did you watch it all? I did. I was actually at uh, my mother-in-law's house who has cable. So I was able to, like, turn on the stupid cable news networks, which were obviously following it the entire time and the only place where you could find it. Um, and so, yeah, we were kind of watching it unfold as it very first started. What sta- what Which network did you watch? I think, we, I think we were watching CNN. We were watching CNN. Uh, boo. Boo. The Communist News Network, as it is affectionately known. No, I, I was watching MSNBC, and I've been watching a lot of MSNBC in the last month or so, because I discovered they are, in my view... They're pro-Bernie. No. Well, Rachel Maddow, you can tell, is a little bit pro-Bernie. But um, but overall, I think that they cover Thank all you. candidates on both sides pretty well. And what I really like about them is they seem more focused on issues and less focused on fear-mongering. Because remember, at work, they have 24-hour news networks on on the TVs in the break rooms and in, in the kitchens. And I cannot... Every time CNN is on, someone's dead or there's a plane crash or some attack in... I mean, that's not just CNN. That's like literally every major news network that's 24-hour. Not MSNBC. They'll do a okay. quick story, but they mostly focus on politics throughout the day which I like a lot. And I really like the personalities. I love Brian Williams. I don't care what anybody says about him being a liar or whatever. He told one fib and suddenly he's like the worst journalist in America. That's not how it works, people. Come on. I love Brian Williams. And I, I like Rachel Maddow a lot. And their whole team is really great. So I, I mean, you I mean, watch let's, hang on. T- time out. I mean, you, you have to criticize a journalist who has like, who intentionally, knowingly lied. Like, you, like that's not, like, that, like it's, they're a journalist. Like you have to, you have to take that into account. I also take into account the context of the lie and the the relevance of the lie. The lie wasn't relevant to anything that was newsworthy. No, I mean it made him seem kind of badass, right? That's kind of what it was there for. Literally, it was about him. He made up a piece of news about himself that is ultimately pretty interesting. To make him to make him appear really cool. To make him appear really cool, but it's not like he said. Oh, someone launched a missile at ISIS or something that never had. You know, it's it wasn't a newsworthy thing. Even it was a lie about something that wasn't newsworthy, and that is why uh, I think if if there was very little journalistic integrity and he had lied in stories or been sloppy about reporting, that's one thing. But if he tells a lie about his own character, 
to bolster it or whatever. Who doesn't exaggerate about their character? All right, so tell me about MSNBC. Why is it so good? I just like it. I like the coverage. So anyway, okay. uh, I was edge of my seat the whole time. I uh, I am happy with the outcome. I would have been happier if Bernie had blown her out or won, but everyone. Every major network, including CNN, which is historically very, very pro-Hillary, has pretty much declared the entire thing a tie. I think that's yep. pretty ubiquitous, which is really nice. Um, I, I honestly, I tweeted this. I said, I expect, here's what the headlines will say tomorrow morning. MSNBC, Democrats end in virtual tie. Fox News, Democrats fail to find a leader. CNN, Hillary dominates Bernie. That's what I expected to happen. But everyone has pretty much across the board said... That either it was a tie or it was a tie, but Bernie came out the big winner, and really the big story was Bernie. So I'm I'm happy with it, and um and the I just to tie this um little little segment, this really transitions into our next segment, but it does to tie it into a little bow. I just want to mention that my friend, one of my friends, texted me from a caucus location. She is a professor at Drake. She was one of our classmates when we went to Drake University. And she's now a, a professor there, and she canceled her class. She told me she canceled her class to go caucus because of my article. And that was the coolest thing about this entire thing. That's pretty is, awesome. Is that I got a, a person to physically go. What's more important is you got kids out of class in college. And really, you did <laughs> them the biggest favor of anyone. That's that's accurate. I think that's what's most important. That's accurate. But but no, that was the coolest thing to me is all the views and hits aside. Like I don't even because not all the attention has been positive attention. This isn't just a whole humble break segment because my god, that actually transitions very perfectly into life stuff. Yeah, so you wrote this article for Huffington Post. That was something that happened in your life. Yeah, that was current news. Now this is life stuff. And life stuff is how talking, being a politically um, defined person is new territory for me. And I want to talk about a little bit kind of like what that's you like. Talk in, about, you want to talk about internet culture. I want to talk about internet culture, why trolls are terrible and they should all die basically. So we have like six hours now. So let's go ahead and talk because that's about how long this will take. Well, Tell me about your trollish experiences. Dude, when you write an article whose headline is includes the phrase, and I'm not stupid or unrealistic, you can imagine the obvious trolling that could come from that. Oh, that you're stupid and unrealistic? Yes. Yeah. Okay, no, I mean, I can see how people would think that based on the fact that you have to upfront tell people you're not stupid or unrealistic, though. This is what a lot of people say, Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people... Uh, I mean, that sounds reasonable to me. And I've known you for a very long time. I find of, you both. Uh, you have you now. Yeah, I want to yeah. pull up an email. You're going to like this. But we, we have been pretty fortunate to not have many trolls on this podcast, on our podcast. Well, talking about us, right? I mean, Google Plus... That's because, that's because nobody really talks about us, let's be honest. <laughs> that's probably accurate. So, um... So I've got some trolls on my website, and they're all of them are calling me a, a socialist or a communist, or I'm a young idiot, or I'm an I'm an ass, and I need to die. And uh, I'm getting quite a bit of That's, hate. It's, it's pretty severe. I don't think anyone actually said I was should die, but at least one person said I should leave the country. 
lot of mm. people called me very stupid and entitled and fat and lazy and don't <laughs> contribute anything to society. Um, well, I mean, apparently what, people would let's only... look at your let's look at your job. I mean, let's could, I mean, which job? Of, I have half three. Of, half of that's obvious. I have uh, I have three jobs and I do a podcast. Literally, do any of those contribute to society? This certainly doesn't. I know at least one does. Which one? One of them. <laughs> All right. I don't know which one, but okay. One so, so you and so the the trolls have been coming directly to your website then because that's where you publish this. Yeah, yeah. So I deleted. So I, I get to the point. Where I I occasionally trolled them back if I saw a good opening. Somebody said uh, you're. You look like you're really young. You probably are stupid. And I said something along the lines of, thanks so much. I moisturize. It keeps my skin fresh. You know, and it just trolls them back. Who, who just says that to, like, a random person? Like, the, like the internet is such a horrible place. It's I don't just... know. So, so I, try, I, want, I did an experiment, John. You don't know about this. I don't. I have, I've actually, I have no idea what you're about to tell me. It's so actually today I get really fed up at the egregious offenders and the ones who would write a rant about how I'm a communist and I'm fat and lazy and I don't contribute anything and I just want the government to be my baby daddy and all this other stuff. And on WordPress, the comment system, it lists their email address and their IP address. So I ran a social search for them to see what social media accounts they're registered on, if they have a whatever, to try and find their real names. And mm-hmm. I tracked their IPs to see where they live. It's all public information. And a couple of them, I, I found their real first name at least and what area they're in. So I went to my WGN email address and I emailed them. I deleted and marked their comments as spam because they shouldn't be on my because I don't need to see that crap, and no one does. Okay. Like, if it's productive arguing, it's fine. There's a lot of comments on there that disagree with me, and they say, no, I'm voting for Hillary. It's fine. I get it. Free speech. But if you're just saying you're fat, you know, all that crap, I'm over it. So I emailed a few of them. I emailed three of them, and I, I, I would say, like, I hope the weather's great. And Al- one was from Alabama. One was from Texas. And one mm-hmm. was from Minnesota, actually. John. Yo, I'm, so- I'm sorry about that. I did get that email today, actually. Yeah. Uh, it was on my other email account. I deleted but, it as spam. But what I find the most interesting, and I don't know if you'll find this interesting either, um, one guy emailed me back and said, quote, if you support a socialist and work for a pathetic socialist rag like the Huffington Post, then you don't deserve to live here. I don't care how much you work. But listen to this. I spent 27 years in the Army and retired as a colonel. I have an MBA all paid for by me, not with the free blank, lazy, entitled blanks you swill with. I served my country and my community. I enlisted at 17 during Vietnam to earn the GI Bill because my dad was disabled. And then it goes on and on and on. So this is an older dude, right? Yep. The email from Minnesota, quote, you are right about one thing. I have no civility in me for communists. You may try to parse socialism, but it all feeds right back to Marx. By the way, my... My post, is, my post is just about how I don't expect Bernie to pass policies in the first month of office. Like, it's, it's not about, has nothing to do with his actual, with the policy specifics or communism or socialism. That sounds pretty Marxist to me. Yeah. I do love how you believe disagreeing with your left-wing socialist agenda is immature. Uh, oh, because I call them immature. Uh, since that ideology has been tried all over the world and failed miserably. Since I am north of 70 years old, 
I have to thank you for that immature compliment. I called him immature because he was immature. So, so that wasn't me. So these are, I was surprised that two harsh, violently angry trolls were not kids or college students or 20 something bros, but 70 somethings old people on the internet are troll jerks. Does that surprise you? No, because dumb can be any age. I mean, I was reading I was reading an article today because it's because you know, it, it's 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 a political time for the country. And I was reading uh, I was reading an article about Donald Trump supporters. Um and there were a a bunch of quotes in this article from Donald Trump supporters and the majority of them were uh were people north of the age of 50 and they said things that would look to you like they were internet trolls by the things that they were saying. So I I don't know if it necessarily does surprise me. I think, I think politics brings out, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, you can look at it multiple ways, I suppose. I think it may bring out kind of the worst in people. Um, And I think you, I think you can, you can learn a lot from people and like about who people really are when you kind of dig into, to their political views. So I'm not surprised, actually. <clears throat> Why do you think that is? That uh, like how how do you learn a lot about in in what way? I guess because I, I mean y- you'd like to think because that's how you vote. I would assume you'd like to think that your your political views are an extension of what you believe is best for the country, what you believe is best for humanity, right? So if you have somebody who is like diametrically opposed to you, or who says some really ignorant, hateful things, which are, are surprising to me that people are willing to go on the record saying some of the things that they have said, but America, right? Um, like, when you when you see that, you can kind of infer, I think, that that's a, that's a pretty good extension of the kind of person that that person is in, like, their daily life. Hmm. Like, ignorant, hateful racist, when it comes to politics, is probably an ignorant, hateful racist... When it comes to your everyday occurrences, there's a pretty good chance, I think. That's fair. It, it's, it's been new territory for me in that, you know, you never talk about politics, sex, or... Religion. Religion, right? I don't know if, I don't know if sex is one of them. I think it's just politics and religion. Because uh, I, said, I said politics and religion to my girlfriend, and then she said sex. So maybe in the workplace... I think it's supposed to be with family, I think. The old saying goes with family. And some families are gross and sex is on the table. So, I mean, it, you know, like, I'm pretty sure that's not part of, part of it. I think it's just politics and religion. Sex isn't just on the table. It's on the altar if you're a Lannister. It could be, it could be everywhere. If you're, on a, if you're a Lannister, it's on a bale of hay. It's on the Iron Throne. It's also with your sister. And that's just, that's just disgusting. I mean, not not your not Is your Atlantis sister. Is having sex with my sister? That's not no. That's what I was trying to. say. Not your. Well, maybe. Listen, I. It's complicated. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, but I wasn't saying your. I was. I was saying the royal sister, like the royal we. Oh, because the Lannisters are in control. Are royalty. Yeah. Yeah. You follow it now. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, so you're not, you're not supposed to talk about politics, religion, maybe sex, maybe not, and. You've, we've always known this, right? And and you know that if you post something political on Facebook or get in a political conversation, you might disagree with somebody. 
but having now done this and like really exposed myself and I've been doing it on Facebook because because I learned about Bernie Sanders through our friend Logan who posted about him on Facebook and if he hadn't posted two or three times about him I would have known this guy he's the only reason I looked this guy up and googled him and really fell in love with his policies and his ideals so by extension I think to myself maybe I'll do the world some good if I just and I overdid it, but if I just constantly share Bernie Sanders stuff, so I did. But and do and do and do. I've I've slowed down a little bit, but uh, yeah. So um, so well, I mean, I don't I, think there's anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, like now is the time if you're going to be sharing political stuff for a candidate for like a potential candidate you like. Now is the time when they are vying for the candidacy. Like, if you're going to be annoying with it, now is the time to be annoying with it. Yeah, that's fair. So. But it, it's a different feeling when you, I guess, put yourself... It's a vulnerable position to express your political ideology. And that is... It, it surprised me the, the level of that and how personally I take it and how personally everyone takes it. Because with other interests, you don't have that. You know, if I say I like Metal Gear Solid and you say Metal Gear Solid stupid, okay, whatever. We have different tastes. In my Casey and I talked about this. It's tastes are a very different thing than ideology. And I never considered politics to be part of one's identity as closely as they are. You know, if you say you like David Bowie and I say I don't really care, it's, we're not going to fight about it. But if you say you love Donald Trump and you want to export all the immigrants or something and and i say hey i love bernie sanders let's be communists and we fight with hammers and sickles then one of us ends up dead export is things export is close to the right word but it is not the right (laughs) word but the idea of exporting the idea of exporting them is a it's a it's a pretty cool concept um no you know what it is you know the reason why i i think anyway is that when you're having a like when you're having a discussion in politics with somebody that you disagree with the like you know that that person is also going to be voting on a person that will represent policy and that person who is disagreeing with you is going to vote for a candidate that does not align with your ideals so by having that conversation you know that like they have the same vote you do and that vote is going to you like cancel it out and it's probably not something that you think about like you're, you're, you don't like consciously think that, but you think like, well, crap, this guy is going to like vote for this other person. And that's just like one more person that I'm going to need to convince to vote for my guy or girl. That's what I think. I think it's like an inherent, like, I know that like, I have to try to convince people to vote for this person that I believe in. Interesting. I, I don't know if it's as quantifiable as that. I feel like it's more of a philosophical thing. Maybe. Yeah, you could be right. I, I don't know, I, it, but I just know, you know, a, a colleague of mine came up to me and asked me, you know, how I was doing to, today after the caucus. And this person is, a, is an outspoken Hillary supporter, and she knows that, and I know that, and she knows that I know that, and she knows that I'm a Bernie guy, and she knows that I know that she is a knows, knows that, you, that know. you and that you know that she is right? a Hillary guy. All of those guy. things. So, um, and and I almost felt. Like an adrenaline rush, like I like a like a physical reaction almost from just a very you've almost you felt a very patriarchal reaction, a very yeah, very patriarchal. Like I wanted to oppress her. Right. It was very it was very masculine and oppressive. That is how you felt. Right. Like I asked her for a dollar so I could give her seventy cents. Exactly, Uh, seventy seven cents. It's getting better. 
Well, I wanted to give her 70 cents. I say if you're going to do it, do it right, you know? That's right. You just roll it back. I see what you're saying here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but almost like a fight or flight response in this strange way. But I guess maybe you don't get like that. You're more chill than I am. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that, like, I don't, I don't have a passion. Like, I, I definitely have had the same conversations that I'm, I'm sure you have had with people in an impassioned way. Um, but yes, I, I think in general, I'm probably a little more chill than you just like as in a blanket sense. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I know you've had conversations with perhaps family members with political views with whom you violently disagree. When, when you had those conversations, did you feel yourself getting like angry or anxious or, or were you more kind of like removed from it? Definitely more, I definitely have had those feelings more with people that are, like, diametrically opposed to my ideals, rather than, like, I feel like, I've, I've, I've talked to plenty of Hillary supporters, in fact, I was just doing it on caucus night, I was just, because some of, like, Casey's family members are for Hillary, and I don't have that reaction with people right now that are Hillary Clinton supporters, I just don't, I, I, I feel like they are... In, in general, for me, they're like, they're on the same side. It's just, it's, it's kind of how it, it's kind of how it feels to me. So like, it doesn't make me as angry when I talk to them. So when, I guess. You, so when it is a, another party, but it's because, it, but it's because I know I'm a man. Um, and so life is just better for me anyway. Right. Right. And so th- I think that that's probably part of it too. Probably part of it too. So, but when if you're talking to somebody you don't know as well, and they're like, "Yeah, Trump, ugh, we should kill all minorities or something crazy like that," then then I laugh at them because that sounds ridiculous. All right, so yeah, I guess I, w- I would probably laugh too. It's pretty ridiculous. Well, yeah, um, that's an interesting perspective, and it's funny that you said that you feel like Bernie and Hillary on the same side, uh, kind of fighting for the same general stuff, because I react less adversely to a lot of Republicans than I do for to Hillary. I I have an intense, deep-seated... I think that's because you don't like women. That could be. I, I, think, I think right now it's because you're looking at the trees, which is fine, because the people that want to get Bernie elected are looking at the trees. I think if you step back and look at the forest... It's the the larger picture is a little different, and that's fine because if you want to get Bernie elected, you need to be focused on those things. But if 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 it comes down to it, and Bernie doesn't get the candidacy for the Democratic Party, then of the remaining candidates for both sides, Hillary is by far the closest to to Bernie's ideals compared to any of the other candidates that are on the table right now. And you just have to look at it like that. So if you like truly believe in those ideals, you would still support Hillary Clinton if Bernie doesn't get the nomination. That's how I feel. Because none of the other candidates are even remotely close. I actually don't know much about the Republican candidates' policies, except for Ted Cruz. I know I'm not, I would never vote for Ted Cruz. Um, but I don't know enough about Rubio. Um, and I don't know enough about Trump, honestly. I know he is... He has and that's said, fair. Yeah, he has said some really crazy, weird, ridiculous things. But because he's not beholden to the Republican Party, he said some oddly progressive things. He was he was defending single payer health care at a rally last week, and like, no, that doesn't give him a write off for wanting to 
export all of our immigrants or whatever. But yes, I know it's deport, but it's so much more fun to say export. But but yeah. there's there's some I think there's some wiggle room, and I don't know about Cruz and like. But I look at like Rand Paul. Rand Paul's got tons of progressive policies, so yeah, I don't absolutely. see it as I don't see. And it as that is why that is why Rand Paul has zero chance with the Republican Party. Totally, totally, yeah. But anyway, I don't see it as black and white Republican Democrat. So, um, I you know I'm more likely to look at it. Uh, but right now. I, if what you're saying applies six months from now, after everybody's nominated and all is said and done and the race is close, and Hillary is still the one that has the ideals and there's going to be some whatever. But anyway, I, I just wanted to ask about the, the physical, like, yeah. Um, we have comments on a YouTube video uh, from the live chat. Tom Tom says, T-R-U-M-P. These are all individual messages. Mm-hmm. And then he sends the message in all caps, Trump 2016-11. That's that year is like way far off. So 2016-11 would be that that's a, that's twenty that's two hundred thousand years. No, that's that's no, oh yeah, that's two yeah that's, that's two hundred and six thousand and eleven. That's like eighteen no, t- or 2016-11. So it would be yeah a hundred ninety nine. 198,000 years more. No, like, 190, that's a, no, 190, wait, hold on. 198, yeah. It's, it's a long, it's a long way off. 100, no, no, it'd be 199,000 something years. Some, some listener has already done this with a calculator at this point. I'm going to do it as well. So, um, all right, so let's see. We will elect Donald Trump the president in 2016 minus, hold on, in 199,595 years. Do you think he'll still be alive? He has the money to extend his lifespan. I mean, if you look at him, he, like, he looks kind of frighteningly not real. He looks Mm -hmm. like a not real person. So, yes, I think he'll be around. Well, and Stephen says in the chat that Ted Cruz gave up his Canadian citizenship, so he renounces him on behalf of... All Canadians. Wow. I thought that, wait, is being, is being, so if you're born in Canada, does that immediately make you a Canadian citizen? I don't. Is it like, is it like when, when if your mother is Jewish, then you are automatically Jewish? Is, is that it how the that same works? Thing? I think so. I don't know enough about Judaism to, to make that claim, but I thought that was how it worked. Okay. Dave, that's what David Cross led me to believe. I never cared for David Cross's stand-up when we were growing up. I mean, there are people that are wrong. See, and this is an issue of taste. You're not physically angry at me for that, and well, nor no, am because I, f- I. Like, I know you're like you're, you're like you're wrong, but like I know I said, you're wrong. Sometimes people are wrong. I know you're wrong, though. More. I mean, I don't hold it against you. <laughs> That'd be silly. And I'm not going to hold it against you that you're more wronger than me. Right. So right. you're wrong. About what? Uh, do I ever get to talk on this episode? I've been trying to engage you. I've been engaged. I've been politically engaged, actually. Have you? Do you have anything to add? I I thought you'd have more to say. Actually, I I, I know you don't. You're not as. We, I feel like we had a, a great dialogue. I don't know what you're talking about. No, sort of you the should listeners, go back. I, you you should. Oh, the listeners. You think the listeners would have more to say? No, the listeners also thought it was a great dialogue. I'm asking you if you had anything else to add. I I don't. I think that. Like, like I said, I think I said my piece. I think I said my piece. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, yeah. listener, highly encourage you to vote. Literally every single vote matters in this process. Our friend Ryan, actually Ryan um, of Daryl TV, was caucusing. Did you know this? Did I tell you? No. Did he go caucus? Good for Ryan him. Ryan caucused with a group of four friends. And he said that in his little 
precinct, district, whatever in his little area. Hillary they played werewolf. Yeah, yes. They played werewolf to determine who was actually alive. And uh, the werewolf ended up being Hillary Clinton, but she won. But no, his precinct, uh, Hillary won, so she got one extra delegate, and she only won by eight votes. Wow. And I literally, like, I was actually kicking myself almost all day, like yesterday and today, because I never phone banked. And if I had called, honestly, if I had called 20 or 30 people in the last two weeks and convinced them to vote for Bernie, he could have won. I mean, it's, it was that close everywhere. There were six instances where they flipped a coin because it was tied. I agree. It is your fault. So it's my fault. I apologize. Bernie. I agree with you. But yeah, but it, no, it's every vote matters. So please, if you're listening to this, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what party you are. Please Go check out where to register to vote. In Iowa, it's actually really easy to caucus. You can register pretty much on site, but there's a lot of places where you can't. For instance, if you live in Louisiana, you're out of luck because voter registration for this election closed today. So please go check that out, and that's my public service announcement. And now I I'll let you talk. Just, I just registered to vote at my new address today. Hmm. Yeah, so that was something that I did today. Awesome. Because I of all the political stuff going on. I was, I was like, you know what? I need to change my registration. So that is what I did. Good for you. See, sometimes even you contribute to society. <laughs> that's... You fat, lazy freeloader that wants the government to be your sugar daddy. Oh my gosh! If only that was the truth. It's as as a pharmacist, like nothing would be worse for my finances than to have Bernie Sanders as the president. And yet, I still want to vote for him. So that should let you know about me. Um, weren't we originally a video game podcast? <laughs> the hell happened? Game? I, I don't know. Like I, this is what I'm saying. I, I don't know. This is the whole crux of my entire story. It's like, story it's like I don't even know you anymore. The entire story. It was like, when did I become a freaking political blogger? Like, it's, it's weird. You did me. like three days ago. Like, it's weird. like you did, you did three days ago. It's weird. Anyway, you have, we were originally, Game Life Balance US is a lifestyle podcast, but we used to do a video game podcast. We, we did. can talk about video games on this podcast. If you have anything to say other than just hot garbage flaming out of your mouth well i kind of want to return to our roots because i actually played a video game and i played a video game for long enough that i actually am ready to talk about it so john are you looking to return to our roots if you're we're gonna go with this uh yes yes i'm looking to return to our roots so you could say we're about to conduct a root search God. yeah gosh i was i as soon as i said it yes uh, so I played a game that I picked up on the Steam sale, on the winter Steam sale. I, I picked up like 12 games on the winter Steam sale, all for my wish list because they were all on awesome sales. Uh, and so I picked up a game called Sunless Sea, which I had been following for a long time. Wait, you didn't say you're about to go full gamer. Oh, I'm, I'm about to go full gamer. 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 There's no echo. For the 50,000th time, there's no echo. I produce the production bits. So, um, that was a weird echo that just happened. Uh, so, yeah, I, I picked up a game called Sunless Sea, which I've been following for a while. Uh, and this game is a, it's a roguelike, um, which, which means, what a roguelike is, is basically you start the game, and you start from scratch when you start the game. You play the game through until you die when you die you restart at the beginning of the game with some persistent stuff accumulating so oftentimes like 
certain abilities and stuff will get better and those will like stay with you in a roguelike in general that's kind of how they work um so this game follows that model you are a sea captain um that you're enlisted by fallen london uh so london fell underneath the earth uh after the like this the queen of london sold uh, like sold london to the elder gods or something like that and so basically you're in a you're in a giant ocean uh that has no light there's like no no light from anywhere um and it's like a top down perspective so it's just you're all you have is like a little ship there's no actual on the ground or anything like that like it, the whole game takes place on a ship and you go from various port to port with stuff happening and the game is set in a in an um eldritch magic cthulhu like I mean, it's it's HP Love. It's set in like an HP Lovecraft environment. Oh, nice. Um, and so, like the whole shtick of the game is, it's completely dark on this sea, and your sailors on your ship are slowly going mad. And as they go mad, stuff changes in terms of how you interact with different ports as you go uh, throughout the sea. Um, so you go from port to port, um, and you've been given the task by Fallen London to go explore the unders the undersea because um, when when London fell, everything got like jumbled up, and so every time you start the game, all the ports are in different spots. Um, and so when you go to each of these ports, you create port reports, and then you bring them back, and you get money for that. And that's that's kind of the treadmill is going out, coming back to London, getting a port report, and then going back out again. But I thought London was underwater. It is. It's all underwater. It's all under the sea. You go. You you put. You bring your boat back to London. Oh, it's like a um, like a Bioshock Rapture. Like the whole. I city. mean, the whole the whole game is like under in a cave, not underwater, on top of water, but there's no light because you're underneath the earth. It's like a big cave. It's like it's. I I don't know why you're not understanding this. This doesn't make like, any sense to me at all. London sank. And fell Underneath into a the earth, cave, and then into, you go into like in a, a cave, but you're on a boat because the cave. Yes. Yeah, like an underwater lake. Is it's London? Like an under, it's a, or not an underwater lake. It's like a it's like a um a uh, underground lake, and it's an underground lake. And and London, London is, is the hub in the air. No, no, London's London is on the water too. It's on the water, but they can breathe air. There's air everywhere. Like it's a cave. Do you know what a ca- you know what cave is? It's like a cave with a lake in it. So it's like a giant cave, like a giant tarp was pulled over the top of England. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then all of the land was replaced with water, so you have to sail everywhere. So there's very little land. It's mostly small little pieces of small islands with ports on them. How would this happen? I mean, it's the the elder gods made it happen. That like that, like that's what they do. But how did they do it? Did they put the cave down first and then push everything down? I think I think they, I think they put London underground. I think because the the ports. So it's just London, and then all of these different little islands that you go to aren't real places. They're they're made up, uh, and they have crazy uh, eldritch magical things going on on the islands the only real place is fallen london so it's just london that sank underneath the ground onto this 
Sunless Sea. Okay. Oh. So you're you're traveling from port to port. You're collecting you're collecting uh, these port reports and bringing them back. And make it you money to allow you to buy fuel and supplies to go out further. All the while, because it is dark out, um, terror is slowly rising, and crazy things kind of happen on the sea. There's sea monsters that um, that attack you. There are pirates that attack you that you have to destroy with your ship, um, and all of these contribute to the terror that your that your crew is is accruing. Ho ho! So um, as they become more scared, they become more fearful of the elder gods worse things can happen to them eventually if your terror rises high enough they can kill you you can you can be driven insane and die and then you have to start over and then there are ways to reduce your terror all over the place the super interesting part about this game so in general like the the shtick is go out go to a bunch of ports come back to london restock refuel and go out now i mean if you just would if that was the only thing you were doing that sounds really boring so the really cool thing about this game and I think it is the best Lovecraftian horror game I think that I've ever played. Very few games have done a good service of working with H.P. Lovecraft's work because he's all about cerebral horror. He's all about like people going mad because they they see something that they can't they can't even like comprehend. Like it's something that's so something that's so horrific but not in like a traditional scary way, just like something that's so awesome in the literal sense of the word that it drives you insane. Yeah, yeah. So this game does a better job of conveying that than like any other game because as you go as you're as you're traveling across the sea um after a certain amount of time, you get a little notification that says something awaits you. And it basically is the indicator for you as the player that the next time that you dock Anywhere, there's going to be some special event that happens there. And the special event, the special event is all written. It's all like a big story at that dock. And it's like a choose your own adventure story at the dock. So for instance, um, I was, I was sailing and I got the something awaits you. And I, I docked at this dock and basically a small novelette came up and told me about the, I had made it to this island with guinea pigs and rats that were at war. So they had been at war forever. So, um, and it was written kind of, kind of cutely. Um, and this, I guess this would be a, this would be considered a spoiler. So if you don't want this game spoiled at all, I would stop listening now. Um, so I hit this island with, with guinea pigs and rats and it was a great story that came up. It was, you know, like three full pages long that you were, that I got to read and the writing is excellent in it, which is awesome. Um, but I got to like page through that writing, um, very much in a, it was, like I said, it was written kind of cutely, but also very Lovecraftian in the way that it was written, uh, get to the end. And basically you, as the captain that arrives there gets to side with either the guinea pigs or the rats, or you can side with neither. Um, and so I chose the guinea pigs. And the next part of the story that came up, because the next part of the story came up when I chose that decision, was a recount of the battle of the guinea pigs against the rats, and the guinea pigs, like, eviscerating, tearing the throats out of the rats. Like, it was just this horrendously bloody affair that was... That was it was awesome. It was hilarious, and it was, it was, it was funny. It was super smartly written, and it was surprising, 
and it was one of like the first things that happened when I ventured out into the into the undersea, and like from that point on, I was kind of hooked. So, um, after that, it was it's like all about exploration. So I was I was going out and like the sea is completely black. Your map is completely black when you first start. As you go out, it fills in as you're moving around, and so you kind of get markers on your map. Um, and there's different stories that happen at every port. So like you can get this like I got that story at this guinea pig rat port and the next time I came back so I made like a big loop I went back to London restocked and came back I came back to the island and it had something awaits you at the next port and I came back and the guinea the guinea pigs were having trouble so I got back and the young the young people did not want to adhere to the old guinea pig ways they instead wanted to adopt the customs of the people of fallen London. And the guinea pigs were like, no, we need to stay with our roots uh, because it is important for us to maintain that life on this island. So I was the arbiter because I was the freer of the guinea pigs. And so my word is law on this island. And I went back and I, I made a verdict as to what they were going to do. And so something different then happens every single time I go to that one port. And it's like that for every single port in the entire game. So Which there are a ton of them. Are you So it's like a big it's very story it's very like story heavy. Yeah, is it like a choose your own adventure book kind of? Kind of, except that like the stakes are actually pretty high as you it's very easy to run out of fuel, it's very easy to run out of provisions, and it's very easy for your crew to go mad. So like there's like there's the desire to explore the undersea, check out all of these different ports, see all these different stories, and you have to weigh that with the with the you can only go out for so long and for so far before you have to start making your way back. You can get more supplies and more fuel on your way back at different ports if you're lucky or if you have the right skills or if you have enough money. Um, so you you might be able to restock on the way back, but generally it's more difficult to do that. So you have to really weigh that with how much you bring um, and how long you think you can go, how comfortable you are with going out and exploring. And then, of course, everything's upgradable. So you've got a bunch of different stats. You've got a bunch of different um, officers on your ship that you can f- you can slot in that give you different benefits. They each have their own individual stories. I have no idea how many officers there are. I think there's a ton, but they there's probably like I would say th- I would say there's probably at least thirty different officers, all with their unique individual stories that want you to go do something for them. Um, like one is missing her one one lost her mother um was separated from her mother at sea and so she wants you to go to all these different ports to try to find her mother and every time you go somewhere and search for her mother something happens i've still not found her mother um but there's like all these different officers you can upgrade your ship you can upgrade all the weapons on your ship upgrade the engines on your ship um upgrade your captain upgrade your living quarters in london um you can get married and have a kid um and then that branches off into a different story can you upgrade your kid? You can upgrade your kid. That's because that's something that can just happen mm-hmm. naturally. Do you? Uh, how much is this game? Um, I think it's twenty bucks retail. Uh, I think I picked it up for nine, nine or eight, something like that. Um, and it was the cheapest that I that I'd ever seen it. And I've always wanted to pull the trigger on it, but like, you know, I've got I've got so many games right now that that I I didn't need it at the time, but it finally went on sale for for like a price that I couldn't say no to. So I picked it up. Do what is the game like? 
it's just you sailing a lot of it. But like, so, what are, you, are you? Is it like a forex game? Is it? A... No, I mean it's like it's like a top-down perspective. It's just you. It, all you have is the control of your ship, the whole game. And then when you dock into a port, a menu comes up basically that shows you pictures and it shows you like options of things you can do at that port. It sounds like Escape Velocity, which I totally want to play now because of this. It's the, I don't the, know what that is. I don't think I ever played it. It's an old shareware game. We're talking 1996, 98, maybe. Okay. A shareware game. And you yeah. you were a spaceship and you'd fly So from, you got it with an AOL disc. Basically, you'd fly around yeah. from solar system to solar system. It was super great. I loved that game. I loved that game. and But I like, the, I like games like that where you explore and you kind of go... From spot to spot, and and that's exactly what this game like. That is exactly what this game is. It's all about the exploration, um, and the thing. So the hook was that I knew it was based on Lovecraftian literature, which I'm all about. I love Lovecraftian literature, so um, like I, I, that's why I was kind of waiting for it because I had heard it was very true to Eldritch magical horror. Yeah, you're into that weird stuff. I, is it weird? I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's pretty awesome, though. Uh, and so I, like, I really like it. Do do I think that this is one of those games that for every, that's for everybody? No way. Um, it takes a lot of patience. Sailing from, sailing from port to port takes a while. Um, and so you definitely have to have patience with it. And you have to, like, it's very fiddly. So, like, when the headlight is on on your ship, um, your terror increases more slowly but your fuel drains faster. So there's like, and there's all these little buoys in the middle of the ocean that are light sources. So you like, as you're sailing from place to place, if you want to be the most efficient, which you kind of need to be, you have to be like turning on and off your light. Like it's like, it's very, it's very, you have to be patient to play this game. Is it scary? No, not at all. Is the music scary? No, no, not at all. It's just kind of, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's uh, scary is definitely not the word I would use. It's more like ma- magical is unsettling. Sure, but not even like I don't even think it would make you uncomfortable to play it. You as somebody who doesn't like horror stuff, it's just kind of it's kind of cool. It's kind of s- supernatural. It's just very supernatural. Huh? Yeah, it's. I really think it's cool. How's I the really music? Do. It's excellent. How excellent? Mood setting. It's very good. How mood setting? One to ten. It sets the mood at an eight. Is it relaxing? But the real, no, not Is really. Is the game relaxing? No. Is it rock mm. or classical? It's a rock opera. Is it? Mm-hmm. It actually what I would, is. What I would say is that the real draw is not the music. It's the exploration and it's the stories at the ports. It's the different stuff happening every time you land at a port. Yes, but what I would say is that if I'm playing a video game in the same room as my girlfriend... There are only certain soundtracks that she will tolerate, or I have to put. She would tolerate. She would tolerate this. Okay. She would. She, this isn't. A, unfortunately, this isn't a game you could really play with her, um, because it's all reading. So, like, like this is not at the type of game that you'd have to. In order to like actually get everything out of it, you have to be constantly focused on the screen and paying attention because you're constantly reading. You read a lot. You read a lot in this game. Yeah, this is the perfect game. She is obsessed with books. Yeah, but if she ever got up and you kept playing the game, she would miss stuff. Well, then it wouldn't be a good game for us to not play together. It would only be a good game for us to play together. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Thank you. 
I have no idea what you just said. Um, and getting away from Sunless Sea for just one second. I bought The Witness. <laughs> you can't get away from Sunless Sea for just a second. We, you just went full gamer. I did go full gamer. Is that Are you done going full gamer on Sunless Sea? I, I am, yeah. I, I think it's an excellent game, but I don't think it's for everybody. All right. Um, what were you about to talk about? Something stupid. I, I bought The Witness. Yeah, why? But I haven't started it yet because I want to play it with my wife. So. Oh, okay, so you can play games with your wife, but I can't play games with mine. That's kind of what I said. You're also not married. Yet. That's true. Not yet. You are not yet married. Um, anyway, we haven't started that yet, but that's like on the docket in the next few days. We're going to start The Witness. I'm really hoping she likes it. If she doesn't, I'm just going to play it by myself because I'm super duper excited to start it. But I'm really hoping that she gets into it and it's something we can play together. All right, well, maybe I'll play it with my girlfriend too. You should also play it with your wife. When do I get one of those? What, at what level do you unlock the wife um, achievement? On a scale of one to incredibly diabetic, you unlock her at, um, at peeing blood. That's when you unlock her. Not what I asked. Also not a thing that happens. You're the pharmacologist. I know. That's why, it said it's not a, that's why I said it's not a thing that happens. Oh, good. Um, so that's all I got. That's full gamer. You went full gamer, all right. I did. I went full gamer today. I said I was going to. I did it. I did what I said. I did what I said so I was going to do. I could be a, poli- I could be a politician. First time in your life. I could be a good politician because I would accomplish the things that I set out to do. Is that what you would do? Be a good politician? Because I'm pretty J- sure that's... Jay Martin for president 2020. All right. I'm calling it here well, listen, right now. We are members. Uh, we... I'm, going to, I'm going to cock in Iowa. I'm going I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ca- caucus. Caucus in iowa we here at a uh, game life balance u.s podcast are members of the gonna geek network there are some other great geeky shows on the gonna geek.com network at gonna geek.com.network dot slash org gonna geek.com ladies and gentlemen there's some podcasts that are not our podcasts but other different podcasts hosted by different hosts of podcasts that are not our podcast on the gonna geeks so check it out that was a really long URL. That can't, that can't be the URL. .net. That's probably the end of the URL. Meanwhile, this week on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition, consultant supervillain Lab Rat Lauren gives her take on the Uncanny X-Men number two, and Neil chooses Captain Marvel number one for his pick of the week. Let the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition crew help catch you up on everything you need to know. About your weekly published Marvel comics. You can find Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition, the January 30th episode, Marvel Comic Book Podcast, at gunnageek.com. Elsewhere, on the Gunna Geek Network, on All Things Good and Nerdy, episode 196, Naki Got Banned, Willie regales the gang with tales from the second annual Beer Olympics before moving into the news of the week. Chris shares that EA may have accidentally revealed Xbox One sales numbers. Of course they would. Naki has some info on the Fine Brothers controversy, and Anthony has some exciting news about The Flash. That is on ATGN196. Naki got banned at GunnaGeek.com. Have you heard about this Fine Brothers thing? Yeah. What is going on? I know literally they tried not- to. I, from what I understand, they tried to trademark the term reaction video. They tried to, like, trademark that. Which is like all of what YouTube is. Like that's what all YouTubers are, are reaction videos to stuff that happens. Um, And so there was a big outcry on that. And then they walked it back and they apologized for 
doing that. And I guess they have like 17 million subscribers. So they have a ton of subscribers. Um, and so they, they wield a lot of power. And so people were afraid that like all of the little, all of the little YouTube channels were going to get crushed because reaction videos were going to get trademarked. They didn't. God, YouTube is such a drama queen land. There's so much drama on YouTube. There's always some drama. Oh, Nintendo uh, trademarks. You can't stream Nintendo. Oh, let's play videos. Uh, YouTube copyright infringement. Blah. It's God. I'm so glad we're not on YouTube. Right? Yikes. I'm over it. Anyway, well, uh, that's all I got. Do you have anything else? No. No. I, uh, I don't. I think we could probably do the outro. Am I supposed to say that I'm going to do the outro before I do the outro, or do I just do the outro? No, I'll do the outro. I'm Cody from Game Life Balance US, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky that's, podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready intro. because geekiness begins in three, intro. two, one. That's, thought that was a good episode. That was a good episode and a good outro that I just read. That, just stop the broadcast now? That was you, it, are right? su- you are supposed to be the professional. Thank you for listening to the Game Life Balance US podcast, the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And leave us a review if you really want to make our day. You can find us on the Gunna Geek Network. That's such at, a flat delivery. If you really you can want find to make us our day, on the Gunna Geek Network at GunnaGeek.com or on the official podcast network of Chicago's... Why am I shilling your stupid radio station? On the official podcast network of w, of uh, Chicago's WGN Radio at WGNplus.com. Because you can find us there. It's a big deal. We're syndicated. Learn more about Game Life Balance, including contact information and links to our sister show in Australia at GameLifeBalance.us. Also, just as I say at the end of every episode, listener... It really is super appreciated if you do leave us a review on iTunes. It It is one of the best ways to increase our visibility. Um, it helps with when people are just searching for random podcasts and like they say they look at video game podcasts or they look for lifestyle podcasts. The more reviews that we have, the higher we will come up on that list. Um, Algorithms! And so just, sure. And so it just increases our visibility. Cody knows all about that stuff. So if Visibility! You if you wouldn't mind, leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else. Uh, that you listen to our podcast. Anywhere. That's very scary. What is? The Sunless Sea. <laughs>